0: In the beautiful West 7th neighborhood of St. Paul, Minnesota, you're listening to the Capital City Podcast. Now, there's a joke that when you get ordained, you're only, you're, you're, you have to sign this paper that you're only allowed to use, you know, so many Lord of the Rings references in a year, or they'll take your ordination away. Uh, but no, it's sort of a, it's something that I hold myself to uh, because I think there's a, a lot of evangelical pastors just don't read much or, or be, they don't know what, what to cite. But actually today, there's a perfect analogy to the Lord of the Rings. And so I wanted to bring it in. Uh, and also I realized it does work. So besides Star Wars and Harry Potter, the Lord of the Rings is really the most known cultural story. There are very few stories that are known as well as those three. Uh, so this works well. So um, Probably most people here have seen the movies, I imagine. Can I see a show of hands? Have you guys seen the Lord of the Rings movies? I figured probably, you know, 80% or so. Uh, not many, I assume, have read the books. Maybe five, six people, 10 maybe. Oh, well, actually, pretty decent number. All right. Uh, one of the controversies when the movies came out, as well as they adapted the book, uh, they didn't include a lot of people's favorite character, which if you saw the email from me yesterday, you know who it is. Uh, it's Tom Bombadil. Do you guys remember who Tom Bombadil is? He's not in the movies. He's in the books. Um, now, in the director's defense, it was probably the right call. Uh, the story doesn't need him to be told. And movies, you only get, I guess in, in, in that case, you got about three, three and a half hours for Lord of the Rings movie. Whereas if you were to read the book out loud, it would take you 20 hours. And so you, you have to cut somewhere if you're going to fit the whole story into a movie. Uh, and so it, you know, in his defense, it makes sense that uh, this character was cut, um, but he is a beloved and mysterious character that casts a shadow over the entire book. I, or maybe a better way to say it is that he shines a light on the rest of the entire book. So even if you're only vaguely familiar with the story, if you've only seen the movies but not read the book, you'll still be able to follow this because it'll explain who this character is. So in the beginning of the story, Tom Bombadil shows up really just in one real major scene. Uh, he saves the hobbits. They're kind of in a bind. They're, Tied up in this tree and he speaks and sings to the trees commanding them. He's kind of this demigod figure over the forest. Uh, the ring, as you guys know all too well and what it's all about, um, this power of this, this symbol of power or dominion or sin has no influence on Tom Bombadil at all. It's not like how some of the characters are really beholden to it and others can kind of resist. The effects of the ring. Tom Bombadil is just completely other. He, he can manipulate the ring. He can look through it. He can snap and make it disappear and then reappear. He's just, uh, he's completely outside the fray in the normal system. And so there's this scene where the little council says, well, what if we leave the ring with this guy? Because he seems to be so unaffected by its power. And then Gandalf, the famous wizard, says, no, this character is so outside the, the fray, outside the mess, and he'll think so little of the ring that he might forget about it and misplace it or let it be stolen. He just he won't even consider it because he's so outside of our system. So there's been this speculation, even though he only appears in this one scene or two in the books, there's been this speculation that maybe Tolkien, the author, meant him to be this kind of unfallen Adam figure. What would it look like if Adam in the garden never fell And was this old man sort of over the trees, commanding nature. There's this idea that this Tom Bombadil might be this kind of unfallen human. Now he doesn't appear in the rest of the book, though there are allusions to him. And like I said, his light, though, kind of reflects his, his, his voice. Uh, resonates through the rest of the book. So if you ever do read the books or listen to the audiobooks, pay attention to Tom Bombadil. Now, uh, it's long been noted that a lot of people who go to seminary or who are Bible scholars of some kind tend to have this thing for Lord of the Rings books. I wouldn't actually put myself in that camp. I'm familiar with the story, but I could never do well at a trivia night for Lord of the Rings. Uh, but a lot of people who go to seminary have read the books and and know the stories, and they will joke that Melchizedek, who we're going to look at today in Hebrews seven is like the Tom Bombadil of the Bible, or that you know Tom Bombadil is like the Melchizedek of Lord of the Rings. Now, why do people say that? It seems like a really random uh, assertion. I even met with someone last night who was like, you know, my wife is reading those books. How, how in the world could you make that tie? So first, let's tell the story of Melchizedek in the Old Testament, and then we'll move on to Hebrews 7. So we have a lot of scripture to go through today. So in Genesis 14, it is the one scene in which Melchizedek actually does something in Scripture. He's not just being referred to or thought about. He actually is a character doing something. So in Genesis 14, there are, there's this little skirmish, this little battle with four, they call them kings. They're more like little tribal chiefs. Four chiefs against five in Sodom and Gomorrah before it was destroyed. And the four end up beating the five, and they looted the city. They captured a bunch of people as plunder or slaves, and they captured a bunch of the goods, and they took off with it. And their grave mistake is that they also took Lot, who was Abraham's nephew. Now, Abraham was not a military guy or a general, but he was probably one of the wealthiest people around at the time, and he had 318 able-bodied men working for him. Uh, Lord knows how many total people he had working for, him, but he had 318 able-bodied men. Now, mostly they were shepherds and farmers, but in those days you had no police and no government, and so your staff was also trained to keep up a kind of quasi-military readiness. So he had these 318 guys who were semi-trained for military action. And so very Liam Neeson style, Abram finds out that his nephew has been taken, right, if you remember that movie. Uh, His nephew has been taken, so he gathers